Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about the 10 things my wife and I have learned through three infant adoptions over the last 10 years. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. This is episode number 62, and it is a special one. Uh, We'll get into that in just a minute, but this is the podcast where we talk about all things domestic infant adoption. We're going to help you guide you through the overwhelm so you can adopt faster with more confidence, less headaches. So thank you for joining me today. It's a special episode. My wife is joining me for the first time, and we have an awesome talk where we just go through all the things that we've learned through three infant adoptions over the last 10 years. So I'm so excited to have her on. I'm not going to talk about anything else. We're going to jump right into the interview. Let's do it right now. All right. Welcome to a very special episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. In fact, over 60 episodes we have done, and there's never been one as special as this. And that's because I've invited my beautiful wife, Tisha, to join me. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) We're going to talk about our experiences after adopting three newborns over 10 year period. So I'm just happy to have her on here. Well, really for a couple of reasons, we decided to do this episode. One is we just love talking about adoption. It's been everything in our world for so many years. It's time to talk about it on our show together. And number two is really sharing our experience with, experiences with others. It's just something we love to do. So many people have asked us how we did it, what we did, how the process works, on and on. So we just hope this episode will help you, the listener, as you go on your journey to adopt. So I'm going to get in a little bit of our story and then we're going to share the top 10 things we learned through adopting three, our three kiddos. So we did struggle through many years of infertility. Um, Tisha had to endure more than I did, but we lost a pregnancy along the way and that was super, super tough. And there came a point where we just were like, we just want to be parents. We don't care how it happened. So we were tired of the disappointment month after month going through infertility and Retired of the waiting and the emotional drained. And we talked about adopting a baby. We knew we wanted to adopt a, a newborn if possible. And we learned quickly that it would take some time. And But if that's how God wanted us to have a family, he would make it happen. And so we prayed. We prayed a lot. Our prayers became even more intense as we let go and let God decide how our miracle would happen. And then in his humorous way, it took nine months for our, from the time we were legally able to adopt before we brought our first daughter home. And then we were able to, we were blessed to adopt our son in, in 2012 and our second daughter just a couple of years ago in 2017. We had no idea becoming parents would be so much of a struggle, but it's, and it's never been easy, but God knew what he was doing, even if we didn't. And we definitely learned a lesson that he's in control and we are not. And we're so okay with that because we're blessed. We're mom and a dad now to three special kids. So through our infant adoptions, we've learned a lot and we've learned things we wish we would have known when we first started. It's why we're here today to share these with you. So by the way, you don't have to scramble to write all this stuff down. A lot of what we're going to talk about is going to be in the show notes. Um, so, but you may want to go back and listen to it in case we don't get everything written down. Okay. So top 10 things we've learned through three infant adoptions. Number one, I'm just going to read the, the 10 real quick. Infant adoptions expensive but anyone can adopt. Number two, research is your friend. Number three, open adoption can take something getting used to and it's an effort with like any great relationship, but it's so worth it. 
Number four is preferences, your adoption preferences. They matter. Think about them. Remember, it's okay to limit them. Number five is the home study. You don't have to be have a perfect home or a perfect life. Number six is profiles. They're super important and they make a fast and good connection with an expectant mom. Number seven, waiting stinks. No matter how many times you adopt, people will say dumb stuff to you. It's going to be hard to get through. But uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Number eight is placement. A lot of uh, tips and ideas we have about the placement time, which is when the baby is placed with you. Number nine is communication with birth families is super important. Number 10 is be protective of your kid's adoption story. So ways it works is we're just going to talk about each one of these things and Tish is going to jump in and we're just going to share our own ideas, our thoughts, our stories as we've gone through this. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, adoption is expensive. Duh. Anyway, it is expensive, <laughs> but anyone can adopt. You know, we, we learned quickly adoption is expensive. And I remember Tish, we had that conversation many times about, oh man, this is going to cost us thousands of dollars. How are we going to how are we going to do it? Yeah. It? Yeah. And we learned, you know, the average cost of 20 to 40 K is just overwhelming. But truth is anybody can do it. And we did it. And you want to talk a little bit what you thought about that? How we got through it? Well, since I'm kind of the money gal of the two of us, <laughs> I was probably fretting the cost more. <laughs> like, how are we actually going to make these numbers come out and we could actually do this? Yeah. But we were kind of on a road already with some of that stuff we had paid off all of our debt so we knew that that was a big piece of the puzzle that was going to make it easier for us and we were determined not to take out any loans so if we weren't going to do that and we weren't putting things on credit cards then we knew we had to come up with the cash somehow ourselves and so that's when we kind of looked at our budget and said how can we sacrifice because we want to do this and there's nothing more motivating than wanting a child <laughs> for us at that point. So every 10 bucks or $2 coffee, we just questioned before we ever spent it. Yeah. And we saved every little bit. And it added up a whole lot faster than I think either one of us could have guessed. Yeah, when you put your mind to it really and say, hey, every dollar is going to have to go to this, mm -hmm. it does add up fast. Yeah. Um, I, I think for us, having a plan, our plan was just to save everything, you know, and then we, I think we even may have sold some things. I mean, we, we just, sold a bunch of stuff. We had found money in certain places too, like, oh yeah, uh, we got a raise here. There's more money. We got, you know, other things that we could find. Yeah. We sort of stepped out I, that with that first one, with part of the money we started before we had it all mm -hmm. and sort of stepped out in faith that it would, we could make it happen mm -hmm. and, you know, God is faithful. And That's true. we did, we found, we had money come into our lives that we never guessed was coming. That is a good point. So, you know, we didn't save up 40 grand and then start. No, we did not. We saved up what we first needed to start the process, mm -hmm. get it going, get our home study done and get out there, be, be presented to expectant moms. Yes. Which was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> and made me nervous, of course, since I'm the money gal. So and I just wanted to come on, let's do it. Let's but do it. So, yeah, but I consented, <laughs> and it worked. And it works. And our the second two, I don't know if they were a little bit easier, but you did have the adoption tax credit, which helped. we saved all of that. 
Yeah, everything that we yeah. got back from the first one from the adoption tax credit, which was at the time I think twelve grand or something. It was pretty. Uh, no, it was less than that. It was maybe 11? 10, 11, yeah. somewhere in there. Still, it was a nice boost to get us started on the next adoption. Yeah, to get it back and then be able to just save and it. We were still in all-out save mode, so yes, <laughs> that definitely helped. And uh, we didn't do any fundraisers. We didn't do anything dramatic as far as trying to ask people for money or anything like that we just didn't feel comfortable doing that and we were saving up pretty fast so we didn't feel like we had to do that not fast enough for me but it never is right right but i would suggest around from what we've learned is julie gum's book is called you can adopt without debt that was huge that's a great book and then we've we've also found some other things um like fundyouradoption.tv have a lot of that's a great website cover the cost of adoption grants covers a lot of things on that website. I have some things on the infant adoption guide blog and podcast too, where we've talked about the cost of adoption. Just don't let it keep you from adopting. It's, I think so many people it, it will, mm-hmm. cause you just get overwhelmed with $40,000. No way. Well, and what set the stage for us, why we were already on that had already paid off all our debt was because we, uh, read Dave Ramsey's total man money makeover book. Yes. So that started us on yes. that road. And then, then we had decided to adopt. So it just kind of lent itself. Well, we learned how to budget from there. And well, we learned how to yeah. know where all our money is going. Yeah, so that it was helps kind of, big time. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Number two is research is your friend. And, you know, I was kind of the research geek of, the, of, of both of us when we first started. I just, when we made the decision to adopt, we were just all out on research and we you know, over 10 years ago, there wasn't even near the amount of stuff on the online as there is now. That's true. I mean, it was one of the reasons I created the website, Infinite Option Guide, because I just didn't feel like a whole lot was out there. We had some books, but mm-hmm. all the stuff online was not Adopting there. for dummies. <laughs> yeah, we one. had that one, yes. <laughs> but we just wanted to know we were make, going down the right road. Well, first well, of the all, most the frustrating thing about that was, is a lot of those books dealt with all different kinds of adoption. Yeah. So you had to weed True. through so much of it to find what you were wanting to do, which or, was good and bad mm-hmm. because then it helped you make decisions on what you wanted. But then at the same time you had, once you decided you, it was hard to find the information that you wanted for your particular situation. And there was a lot of international, international adoption at that time was huge. Yeah. So mm-hmm. was a, lot a lot of it was international. That. So our take on it is, you know, this is may probably is the biggest decision you can make in your life. It's one of the biggest life changes you can go through. So take your time, try to take your time. I know it's hard because you want to just get the research done and start moving, but take your time to get through some of the research, break it down into smaller pieces and learn from some of these websites and people that have gone through it. I'm hearing some of the stories of how people have gone through it really will help you too. Uh, but don't get stuck in analysis paralysis. You know, you get, it's so overwhelming and you're just like, Oh, I don't even, I don't even know where to go in the process. I suggest if you're stuck in the analysis paralysis, get on a Facebook group. We have a Facebook group of just people that want to adopt and there's over 200 people in there right now. I mean, that's easy to go on there and go, boom, what do I do? What's the next step? How do I get out of my overwhelm? Jump into the Facebooks really will help you. Yep. Number three is a big one. Save a little more time for number three because it's open adoption. And when we say open adoption, I mean, that can be a lot of different things. Really, we're talking about openness and adoption. 
And the difference is open adoption is just a huge general topic. Openness means how open is the relationship? How much contact do you have with the birth family? And what does that contact look like? But for us, what we've learned is it, it takes effort, just like any great relationship. It takes effort. There's a whole bunch of different varying levels you can have um, going through it. But for us, we were scared to death when we first started. We didn't know what open adoption was. We we're like, oh, is this co-parenting? I mean, do we have to? <laughs> yeah, we didn't really know what it meant. We were we really we were scared. Asked a lot more questions. We asked a lot more questions, got some help. Um, Libby at Lifetime was just fabulous. And, yes, and she was amazing. And gracious with us and explaining things and uh, really comforted us. Um, she didn't push us. She just um, challenged us to really uh, think about it mm-hmm. more and gave us more information about what it might look like. Yeah. Because the truth is, now that we've done three Open mm-hmm. adoption, we can't even imagine. I mean, open adoption is really important to us now. I mean, we, we, we want to have contact with our kids' birth families because it yes. helps our kids. Mm-hmm. They're part of our family now. It helps our kids in their process of growing up and figuring out where they came from and all that yep. stuff. And it will be awkward at first. Oh, yeah. It just is. <laughs> and that's okay. You just have to sometimes acknowledge that it just is. <laughs> By the way, it's not just awkward for you, us, the adoptive families. Mm-hmm. It's also awkward for birth families. The expectant moms, you know, it, it is awkward for them. And that's okay. Like you said, you have to acknowledge it and just say, hey, let's work on it. Let's talk about it. Get the awkwardness out of the way and you'll be you'll be fine. And For us, there's varying levels. All three of our adoptions are different levels of openness. One of them is really open. I mean, we have a lot of conversations with them and we've done facetiming we've we've how long how many times have we made trips and met them i mean i don't i don't know but they've come to visit us and we've gone to visit them and it's not just the birth parents but it's the extended family Mm -hmm. it's you know so it's probably one of the uh most positive situations absolutely and not all of them can be like that and we we totally understand that also yeah and another two aren't as open Mm-mm. We've not had those same number of visits or any visits, not done a whole lot of phone conversations. We've done a lot of texting, some of the even Facebook messaging. Um, yeah, one of them we don't, we haven't even spoken to the birth mom um, since uh, that child was born. Um, she doesn't, she prefers not to have contact with us right now, but we do have a really good relationship with her uh, mother. And so that's where most of our contact is there. Yeah. So bottom line is really understand that it, and it's hard to understand at first, but understand it is great for the kids. I mean, you've got. In most situations. In most situations. Yeah. Medical history, knowing where they came from. They can ask their birth parents questions in, in some cases, a lot of cases. I mean, they just, just to know their birth family is there out there and wants the best for them and loves them, you know? Yes. And obviously not our situations aren't the same as all adoption situations. There's maybe sometimes that you need to really establish boundaries and you can't have the level of openness that you want to. That absolutely could happen. Yes. Fortunately, we have not had issues with boundaries up to this point, but that can happen. And 
most of these have all evolved. They didn't oh, all start out the same point. way. Yep. And they've evolved over time, just like any relationship that you have. And really all of the situations when we talked about what kind of contact they wanted, um, the birth families or birth parents, they didn't know. So we kind of left it pretty basic and open and just kind of let it sort of organically evolve and let them sort of lead that. Let them know that we were open to if they wanted to text us or if they wanted to call, that was fine. One of them, I had regular texts from the birth mom every day mm-hmm. after that child was born. Uh, and that was okay with me. That might be too much for somebody else that's, you know, working outside their home. I was at home, so it wasn't a big deal. I tried to answer them as quickly as possible because I knew she needed that. But had I not, I don't think that that would have ruined the relationship either. I think you can't overthink it too much. But that was one situation. The other ones weren't like that at all. So, and that one just evolved over time. And now, yeah, she texts me, but she's not texting me every day. She's not texting me every week. Mm -hmm. It was just the initial, you know, difficulties that she was having right after placement. And we'll get into talking or communicating with birth moms here. That's one of our other tips and we'll get in a little more detail about that because that is important. Uh, but overall, openness and open adoption is important and should be highly considered in every case unless you just absolutely have something that situation that you just, it ain't going to work. And I would suggest working with your adoption professional on that. I mean, going through the home study, they'll absolutely talk through that with your social worker and also your adoption agency. If you have, uh, if you're working with one, they will absolutely work with you on that just be have an open mind about open adoption there you go it took us a little bit to get there and you're not alone if you're in the same boat that's okay just just keep working at it okay number four preferences matter and when i say preferences i mean your adoption preferences so what child age range do you want to adopt do you want to adopt a baby do you want to adopt a little bit older child um do you have a a racial preference do you have a gender preference? Do you can you adopt from anywhere in the country, or does you have to adopt from close to where you are? Then, just like we just talked about, open adoption. Do you want a semi-open adoption? Open at what level of openness? And you might not want, you might not know what that is, and that's okay. But your preferences is like how, what's your budget? Those types of things. When you think about those, and you will have to think about those when you work with your adoption professional. For us, what we learned is it's okay to limit them. Don't stretch yourself beyond. I mean, you know you want to adopt. You know you want a baby. But don't go out way outside your comfort zone of, okay, we'll adopt any situation, any child, no matter what, wherever. We'd all like to say that. and But you have to be honest with yourself about what you can handle. It doesn't mean that at some point, you won't open those preferences more. I think we started out with mm-hmm. probably more narrowed preferences in the beginning. And as we, you know, just read more and heard more stories and just learned more, we did open up some things along the way. But I think that was the best advice we got from the beginning is just make sure that you are honest with yourself and don't feel bad if you're not open to everything. Mm-hmm. 
because you have to be realistic about it. If you're not, it doesn't benefit you and it doesn't benefit you and expected mo- or the expected mom either. No, because you don't want to get in a situation where something's way outside your preferences and you get presented it and then you're like, oh, I, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. That's, That's bad, hard for everybody. Feeling. Hard for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Number five is home study. You don't need a perfect home. You don't need a perfect life. Home study is going to be okay. They're not going to come over with a white glove and make sure, you know, all the dust and every nook and cranny of your house. No, but done. I clean my house every single time. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We we did probably go a little over. No. no. Over, but we did well, clean very, very, very well. And, maybe with um, the first one we went over. I don't know. Yeah. But thinking back on the social workers, it took them usually all of five minutes to go through our house. Oh, yep, there's a room. Oh, there's another room. Oh, there's another room. Oh, cool. Yeah, where's, they're looking where's the more baby generally. Sleep? Okay, there. Yeah. So they're, they're and they're going to ask you personal questions in a home study, very personal questions about your marriage, your finances, your finances, your history with each other, even your parenting style, how you're going to discipline. So it helps to think of these kind of questions beforehand. And uh, you can go on to 1-800-HOMESTUDY.COM and you can see what a typical home study looks like. So you can really try to even, you may be able to formulate some of your answers before you go to get your home study done. But anyway, this, we're, our point is the social worker, you just treat them like a guest, any guest that comes into your house. You know, you you don't need to butter them up or anything. You just want to make them feel welcome, make them feel comfortable, answer their questions, and be truthful. You know, really, that's really what they're looking for. And I want to make sure... Your house is a safe place. You are safe. You're not a crazy person. And they just need to get their, their paperwork done. So it's not something, a huge thing to sweat. And every social worker we've had has been absolutely wonderful. Oh, yes. And one point too, I just thought about this about our home study. We didn't always have the same social worker. No, we didn't. We had three or three. four different ones. Yeah. Over the years. And we didn't know what we didn't know when it first started. So we were like, okay, how do we find a social worker? And our professional helped us find one. But we come to find out not only they weren't really the cheapest one to go with and not really even the easiest to work with. And we had to go to a different town and to to do some of the interviewing and that kind of stuff. And we didn't really need to do that in the end. Well, we found out there's another independent social worker that goes around those home studies so and she was cheaper and easier to work with so the point that is do a little bit of research on who can do a home study near you yeah because the prices do actually vary quite a lot yeah and you may be to the point where you have to go through the home study through your agency that you're working with that's possible that's possible ask questions you never know and I got more resources on infiniteadoptionguide.com. I actually did a podcast with a gal that has done hundreds of home studies. So go look up uh, that on the Infinite Option Guide podcast, and there'll be a lot more information about home studies. All right, number six, profiles. These are books that you put together. And for us, it really was a physical book uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> more and than I, 10 I years ago. I think they are still a little <laughs> bit, but anymore, I think most of them are so much online that They're like PDFs that you just create, you know, they're documents that are online that you can just email to people. But anyway, these are profiles that you describe who you are, what your life is like through words and pictures. And they are there to make a fast and good connection with an expectant mom. So 
I expect that mom's going to be looking through profiles and go, okay, here's Tim and Tisha, here's Bart and Betty, you know, here's a bunch of different couples that we're looking at. How do I connect with them? Do I connect with them? Are they a good fit? Or are they going to be the right parents for my child? And I think the moment we really turn the corner and made a good profile is when we've realized that with Lifetime's help, Lifetime Adoption Center helped us through all of ours. But when we really started making a good profile is when we realized that we are creating or we're putting in our profile what life would be like for a child in our family. We're not trying to impress anybody. We're not trying to look at how great we are in all these different areas. And we're just saying, here's our life. You agree? Yeah, I do. I agree. I, I think it's something that you can definitely overthink. Absolutely. <laughs> and we did every single time. So if you are, you're not alone. Yeah, it's true. Uh, one big thing I think we did, though, from day one, and we have to give credit to my brother-in-law who put the thought in our head, was making a profile video. And we were way ahead of our time 10 plus years ago because nobody was making a profile video. No. And even now, a lot of people don't make profile videos, but it's a video and we made a lot of mistakes along the way. I mean, the first one was like 15 minutes long. That was crazy. Maybe it wasn't 15, maybe it was 10. I don't know, but it was long. Uh, anyway, now you make two or three minute videos and you're just doing a quick snapshot of what your life's like and not in just pictures, but actual video of you doing something, playing a game together as a family, going on a bike ride, going for a walk, you know, those kinds of types of things so they can actually see you doing something and then you're actually talking into the camera we did that on all our videos mm -hmm. actually talk to the camera i mean i think that's huge because you make a connection with a birth mom there or expectant mom that's watching you talk to them yeah that was actually on our first adoption that was one thing she mentioned she had watched that video over and over again and at that time it was an actual cd <laughs> in the profile because they didn't have a way to host it online at that point if you can imagine a paper profile and we stuck plastic sleeves to the inside or back, maybe it was inside or out in the back cover. Anyway, plastic sleeves with DVDs in there. So mm -hmm. any expected mom could pull out a DVD and stick it in a DVD player. And oh, watch yeah, not it. CD, DVD. But yeah, it's still nowadays. Thank goodness you can put your video anywhere. Facebook, you know, online. Yes. Anywhere. It's and changed not have a tremendously. <laughs> yeah. So we highly, highly recommend that. Uh, and we didn't do any of putting our profiles online, like through Adoptimist and Parent Match. We didn't have any of that stuff. Uh, well, we did in the last adoption. But yeah. We let our adoption professional, Lifetime Adoption Center, do a lot of that for us. But then we also put it on Facebook and we shared it with people. We put it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good places that you can share your profile and it's worth doing. Okay. Number seven, waiting stinks. And yes. <laughs> you want to go ahead. You want to <laughs> you jump in there? <laughs> no, it's okay. Go ahead. Well, waiting is just the, the hard part. And when I'm talking about waiting, I mean, you get all your stuff done, your home study and everything, and you're ready and you're being presented to expectant moms and you're just waiting, waiting for that phone call. And the first one was nine months, our first adoption. Mm -hmm. The second one was 21 months. Yep. Third one was two and a half years. Yep, for a match. It doesn't get are... any easier. Nope. But what we've done, what we've learned, is how to just distract ourselves and get through it and and learn how to deal with it as best you can. You're never going to deal with it perfectly. but No, some days just 
stink and some days are okay. Yeah. A lot of days stink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably after the first one you think, oh, it's going to be easier. Mm. But yeah, it's easier because you're a little more distracted because you have a child in yeah. your house. But it's still really hard and you still second guess the profile and over everything and else. Again. And it's just one of those things that you just sort of have to pray and sort of fight through the disappointment of not getting the phone call. Yep. And I would say what helped us over the years too, is support groups, especially the Facebook support groups. I mean, we had our first one was just fabulous. I mean, those folks in there were just amazing supporting each other through it that we're all going through the same thing and so just having knowing somebody else out there is doing through the same thing as you is big yeah i think that does make it easier but our our thoughts on waiting and just getting through it is it's going to happen it's not like you're going to wait 10 years and it's not you know it's going to happen just know it's going to happen but also do things to distract yourself hobbies vacations you know, do, don't limit yourself to staying inside and waiting watching the phone all day you're gonna drive yourself nuts but keep educating yourself too and our rule of thumb i think was i don't know you may tell me if i'm right but our rule of thumb on profile revising your profile was like what 12 months uh, at least once a year. Yeah. But we did at least one of them. We waited only six months because we just looked it over and we were just kind of frustrated uh, with waiting. And we just thought, you know, this, this isn't the best. We don't, we don't really like this one mm -hmm. that we've done. And this was probably our, I don't know, third or fourth one. It wasn't like mm -hmm. the, the first one we did. And uh, so we were frustrated with it and we decided, you know what, we're just going to redo it. Um, and I think we barely got it redone and we got a call mm -hmm. maybe a few months after that, whether that mattered or not, I don't know, but it made us feel better mm -hmm. <laughs> because we felt like it presented us better. It was more us and we were just happier with it overall. Well, we felt like, like I said before, we're presenting ourselves as here's what life would be like for your child in our family. Mm-hmm. And if you come from it from that angle, I think you will feel better, more just better with how yeah. you're presenting yourself. Um, There's a lot more we could get into, I think, there, but it's Yeah. <laughs> it's a big surround topic. yourself with support is the is a big thing. And educate yourself on the different ways you can present yourself. Don't Yeah, let, just keep learning. That's we, we yeah. listen to a lot of stories of yeah. other people's stories. I think one thing we did learn, I think that it popped in my head is don't just rely on your adoption professional. I think we were like, what else can we do? Yeah. We can make a Facebook page. We can make little business card things saying, hey, we're adopting and we can hand those out. We can tell people, everybody we know that we're adopting. All those things add to helping you get through the wait, but also add to, hey, you might make a connection. You never know where a connection is going to come from. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, number eight, placement. So what we're talking about here is baby being placed with you. So in our case, uh, all three of ours were placed with us right out of the hospital. No, the first one was not. 
The first one had to go oh, to what they yeah, call yeah, yeah. cradle care cradle. for at least a day. I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, yeah, she was. No, <laughs> you're right. She was in cradle care for and a day. That was pure torture. Uh, that was a weird one. So <laughs> that was hard. What you'll learn is adoption laws are different in every state. Mm-hmm. And, and that may have changed since then. That yeah. was, you know, 12 years ago. This particular state, the baby could not go directly through, directly to an adoptive family. They had to go through what's called cradle care, which is a basically like a foster family type of situation. They had to be there at least a day. She, well, yeah, yeah, that just, it was because of how much time between the, like the um, relinquishment papers weren't mm-hmm. signed yet. Mm-hmm. So some states, that doesn't matter. They'll place the baby with you before the relinquishment papers are through. But in that case, they wouldn't. Yeah. So we had to wait for those papers to be signed and then she could be placed with us. Yeah. But, we were allowed to see her and spend yeah. all day with her and all that. We just couldn't take her anywhere. We couldn't, you know, be in our own space or anything. But it it wasn't horrible in that way. It was just really tough because she was <laughs> ours but not ours, you know, uh-huh. still kind of that weird place you live. <laughs> That's right. In there, so. And not to mention we were out of town. All three of ours were not out of town, out of state. Out of state, yeah. So we were way away from home and all three of them were that way and so we had to learn how to deal with a newborn baby in a hotel room. Yeah. And my mistake was our very first adoption. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna get a prepaid place and it was a, it was gonna be an awesome uh, cheap deal for us. And, and I wouldn't in there stay there. She's like, we're not bringing a baby in here. <laughs> no, it was horrible. That's a whole other story. <laughs> so we, we, well, the reason I tell that story is because you really need to think about where you're going to stay. And you, yes. you may not be in a spot like we were, we were adopting from another state. So maybe it might be easier. You might be in your own home and that's cool. But if you are out of state, think about where you're going to be. I would suggest, you know, hotel obviously we did hotels in all of ours but you could do airbnb the vrbos where you actually can get somebody else's home or their mm-hmm. apartment or something like that and i think that would have been a lot more comfortable if we would have done that but we didn't know that and anyway we stayed in hotels but we also talked to the managers and explained our situation here's what we're doing we're adopting we're bringing a baby and we're probably gonna have this baby in here for a week or two and when we did that asked for a discount they usually gave us one and they were just very accommodating. Very accommodating, like, yes. Like, hey, we'll put you by the laundry and we'll put you, make sure we get a room with you, have a sink and a microwave. And a, it was very, very accommodating. So I suggest doing that and making sure you got a good, comfortable room. It, it does matter. And um, the other thing is when you have a baby place with you, you know, a lot of things are going on. A lot of motions are going on. What we did, what we, I really liked that we did this. And I think it was Tish probably that told me to do this, but, <laughs> but it was to write some things down and you can't, you're not going to write them down as, as you're going through them. But at night you're recounting the day. You just write some things down about, and I would just type them in my computer, but here's what we did today. Here's what we learned. Here's how we felt. Here's the pictures we took. Here's the, just different things that we learned about and did that day. Yeah, that was a really, really good idea. Because you, even though you think you'll never forget stuff, you forget everything. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> you that's forget so cool lots now to go back and read through that and go, oh, yeah, that's all day by day. Everything they did, whoa, oh, yeah, that was the emotional roller coaster we were going through. Um, the other thing is taking pictures. You know, pictures are great. 
and they're super important and you should do them, but be sensitive when you're doing them with a birth family. I mean, we didn't, we were sensitive, I think in, in the pictures that we took, but we didn't get the pictures that we really wanted to get. And I think we didn't know how to ask or how to, the right way to do it, which way pictures to take. And well, especially when the two of them were very, very short, like within days of finding out about them, they were born. Oh, yes. So we didn't really have any kind of relationship established with the birth mom at that point. And so I think that just made it harder because you didn't know her well enough to know what she would be comfortable with. And you didn't have time to talk about it ahead mm -hmm. of time. And so that I think, uh, made those a little harder to navigate just in that way. But you know, we make mistakes. We know to take pictures and on our last one, we still didn't take <laughs> one that we absolutely should have and thought for sure we had and didn't. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on and you know, they're super valuable and you know, try to take the ones that you want to take and, but yeah, you have to be sensitive to where the birth mom or the birth family or mm -hmm. birth parents are at. So, And you probably are going to run into, at least we did, three different adoptions in the, in the hospitals. You might have some good nurses. You might have some not so good not nurses. Not so friendly. Friendly as far as to what's going on here. This is an adoption situation. You know, we had some really yeah. great ones, but then we had some yeah, that really Yeah, we had really one that asked us, us to leave. <laughs> Um, and then we also had one situation where we, they let us stay at the hospital. So it can rain, it can vary quite a lot. Yeah. I would say be an advocate for you and be an advocate for the birth mom. And don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, if somebody's going to give you the cold shoulder, that's fine. Find somebody else. But be flexible and just. Yeah. Don't be a brute. You know, don't be too assertive that they really, you know push you aside and, and mm -hmm. they can make your life great or they can make your life not so great. Yeah, so really. it's best to have your hat in your hand and be humble there and just uh, try to get through it. If you don't have somebody that's treating you very well. Um, what else for placement? Someday maybe we'll tell those stories. <laughs> <laughs> the specifics. <laughs> yeah. With ICPC, which is interstate, interstate compact. compact. There we go for the placement of children. So it's the basically rules between states that make sure all the paperwork's done and good. So you know you're legally able to take that baby across state lines back home. So while we're waiting, in all three of ours, we waited for ICPC paperwork to clear. Generally, two weeks ish. Yeah. Well. So yeah. Two were shorter generally. than two weeks. One was longer than yeah, two weeks. Yeah. So, so yeah. generally two weeks for us. Anyway, when ICPC is done and they give you the go ahead to go home, be sure you ask questions too about what it takes to fly with a baby if you're going to fly. Also, it's a good thing to ask for the original birth certificate if you can at that point because not all states allow you to get the original birth certificate. For us, uh, sometimes we got them after the fact. One time we didn't get one. Uh, with the first one, we didn't know that that was going to be an issue. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't have one of them. Mm -hmm. But you may not be able to get it yourself either. Yeah, you might have to have an attorney laws. get it for yeah. you. That was one case we got it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And another case, the attorney had to get the copy for us. Mm -hmm. So, But I believe we did both of those once we got home, actually. Yeah. 
the important thing is, I think, is be there for your your kids as birth parents. I mean, and they you may have. Yeah, it's because just, we spent time with them mm-hmm. in between um, placement and. When um, we went home. When, yeah, when we went home. Yep. I mean, I would say just try to serve them however and whenever you can. I mean, and don't assume anything. Ask for what they need, what they want. Even one of our adoptions was a situation where they wanted to, the birth family wanted to watch the baby for a couple hours. They said, why don't you go? Actually, they didn't ask. We offered that time. You're right. We offered because we we felt like we could just leave them for a couple hours, the baby with them, and that would be okay. But Mm -hmm. that was the one we had the longer match. We knew them better. better. Mm -hmm. We had already made a couple of trips out to see them before the baby was born. So it was a little bit different situation than the other two. So we felt perfectly comfortable. Mm leaving that baby with them and going shopping for a couple hours or whatever and going get dinner. I don't remember what we did exactly. And then coming back and get them. And they really, really, really appreciated that. Yeah. It's established another level of trust. I think is what it did too. You know, sure. like we trusted them. They trusted us, but not everybody's going to feel comfortable with that in every situation. Right. And that's okay too. My point of the story really is just to think about those things. Like if they work for you and work for your situation, you know, just think yes. about their sensitivity to that. We also had a situation where they wanted to have the baby overnight. And in one of our other adoptions, um, we never actually, we couldn't even make that decision because in that particular state, they would not allow that. So mm-hmm. that was made for us. I don't know if we would have been comfortable with that or not. We I'm kind of glad we didn't have to make that decision yeah. at the time because we didn't really know them very well. Yeah. And that all goes into all the stuff we're just talking about goes into our number nine, which is communication with birth families is super important. You know, all those kinds of methods of communications are great, but you got to not over promise of what you can do. You know, you can establish right. a minimum, right? You can establish a minimum and always build up from there. But if you over promise and go, oh, we're going to visit you six times a year and we're going to, I mean, those, don't do stuff that you don't think you're actually going to be able to do. Yeah. We had to be honest with they were out of state and the likelihood of us being able to make trips every year and stuff like that were just mm-hmm. not necessarily in the cards. And we had to be honest about that. And we still adopted and it was mm-hmm. fine. Right. So, you know, and then we have been able to make some of those trips that we mm-hmm. thought maybe we wouldn't be able to. So mm-hmm. it's just evolved over and time like we world. talked about earlier. Yeah, It's met the world. I mean, it, it's a relationship like we talked about earlier. It's mm-hmm. you got to work on it and build it up. You got to be able to roll with changes and problems that come up too. You I mean, you never know. I mean, just like with any extended family, you don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> what's going to come up and what's going to throw you off. And you just got to be able to roll with it. But also obviously protect the child and you want to do it. So best interest of the child. Right. Anyway, communication is good. Uh, I think you just need to, also be sensitive to what they the type of communication they like if you're open to more that's okay you can just let them know hey what if we did a phone call what if we did a face had some facetime but if they're comfortable just doing texts then you do text right that's that's what we've learned kind of let them lead the way on that a little bit i mean if you're if you're comfortable with the how open it is okay number 10 is be protective of your kid's adoption story. So what we mean by this is, 
you just don't want to share the full details of your kid's adoption story to everyone you meet or almost anyone you meet really. And you're going to want to. You're going to want to. They're <laughs> going to ask you. Yes. That's a hard one actually. But it's your kid's story to tell and the meaning we don't want them to hear parts of their story as they get older and go, oh, they knew that pretty amazing part, pretty sensitive part of my story. How did they know that? And what else do they know that I don't know? Or, yeah. Yeah. Because as we, what we do with our kids anyway, is we, we start telling them about adoption and their adoption story as early on as we possibly can, because that's just part of their life, part of their story. And then we just give them more and more detail as the older they get and they're able to handle it. Well, and it more. makes us, it made us comfortable to talk about it. Like later on when we had already talked about it, even though they wouldn't remember it, they were right. too little. But at the time when we started, but it made it really comfortable for us to talk about and really was very simple actually from yeah. the beginning, obviously age appropriate. If there's, right. you know, hard details of their adoptions or hard things for them to find out, well, obviously you want to wait till they're older in an age appropriate way to tell them those things. But if you have a lot of drama or a lot of weird things or crazy things that happen in your kid's adoption story, you're probably, you're going to feel like you want to tell somebody, especially yes. if they ask and they start probing and they, you know, and you the have best to... thing is for what we did was just, um, come up with, okay, here's where the limit is. <laughs> well, yeah. And we thought about it ahead of time. Yeah. Truthfully on our first adoption, we probably, I think there was a couple of details that we probably let go that I wish we wouldn't have. It didn't turn out to be any big deal in the end. Um, but it's, it's hard not to talk about all the details. You can talk about more general things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we just kind of decided, okay, here's the limit. What do we say mm -hmm. if somebody asks this? How do we say we're not talking about that in a nice way without making somebody feel bad mm -hmm. or, or sounding rude? <laughs> so you kind of have to figure out how you're going to say that. And, and know your audience, you know, who you're talking yeah. to. And you know if people are well-intended or just nosy. And you'll get a quick idea of what questions you're going to need to answer. Like, oh, well, how, how old was the birth mom? Or Yeah, why, they ask that one a lot. I'm not why? sure why. <laughs> I don't know why that we got that we a got lot. That a lot. And then another one is just, well, why did she give up the baby? I'm like, well, first of all, she didn't give up the baby. She made an adoption plan for her child. But yes... <laughs> But then you have to be able to answer that. And that might not be an easy one to answer depending on the situation. And you may not want to answer it yeah, at all. You might not. You might just go, you know what? I We're just not comfortable with sharing. The, the details are really personal and we're not we're comfortable sharing it. Leave it at that. Yeah. I don't know anybody really can argue with that. But they may still ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. People are curious. Yes, and are. And, you know, like I said, you know... If somebody's just being nosy, if that's just the kind of person they are, right. or if it's somebody who's genuinely just asking because they're interested. And we've had to tell people even like, you know what, that's really our child's story that we want them to mm -hmm. know before everybody else. And people understand that. Yeah. Generally. Generally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up. I got a couple extra bonus tips here. We just wanted to let you guys know you're going through the process. You're going to have a lot of steps celebrate those steps. So when you get the home study done, celebrate. You get your profile done, celebrate. 
the finalization was huge, you know? Yes. You bring the baby home, celebrate. Final- Our last one took forever, so we had a big party. Yeah. I mean, your finalization, meaning the legally, all the legal stuff is done, and that baby is yours forever. That's a huge, that's a party. Mm-hmm. And finally, I think I just wanted to let everybody know, listening to this, that it's overwhelming to adopt. You adopt a baby, it's overwhelming. It's scary. There's a lot of stuff you got to go through. But we're nothing special. We did it. We did it three times. And over 10 years. So nothing came easy for us. Nothing was perfect for us. We didn't have gobs of money. We weren't wealthy people that just had money. (laughs) We're not independently wealthy. (laughs) Yeah. So don't let anything hold you back. You want to be a mom and dad, go for it. Don't let anybody stop you from being a mom and dad. You can do this. We're, we're here for you. Uh, we have a special Facebook group through the Infinite Adoption Guide blog. So you can go to the website, infiniteadoptionguide.com, and you can see right there to click on Facebook group and be, become a part of our group. Talk to us directly. We'll help you through the process. So anything else you want to add or just say bye? Nope. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to my wonderful wife for coming on. It was fun doing a, finally doing an episode with her after 62 episodes here. So... It was fun. Thanks for coming on, babe. You're welcome. All right. I absolutely love this conversation my wife and I had. Hopefully it helped you on your journey to adopt your quest to build your family through adoption. We hope this inspired you. And we asked you, please, if you really love the interview and love the conversation we've had and love the podcast, I invite you to go over to iTunes and just leave us an honest review Those reviews help more people to get to hear the podcast, and we certainly would appreciate it. Also, if you really want to get a hold of us, you can go to the Facebook group. We'd love to invite you there. It's a closed group, so you can find it on Facebook, but you have to ask to get in, and I will allow you to to get in if you just ask me. It's only for people who are hoping to adopt. If you just go to infantadoptionguide.com, at the top of the page, you'll see Facebook group. Click on that. It'll bring you right to it. You can ask to get in and we'll let you in and we hope to see you there. Until next time, here's to your infinite adoption plans. God bless you. We'll talk to you the next time on the Infinite Adoption Guide podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to my dad.